Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We are going to continue our series on renewing the mind. And tonight we are in Romans chapter 13. We're going to read the first seven verses here. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Now I want you to, if you mark in your Bibles, I'm going to stop at certain words on purpose here. So uh, if you mark in your Bibles, you might want to mark your Bible here a little. Let every subject be subject unto, what's the next word? Higher. Higher powers. Notice the word higher. It does not say highest. For there is no power but of God. That's the highest power. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is a minister of God and a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, look at me. Uh, God says in Romans chapter 12 that he does not want us conformed to the world, but he wants us to be transformed, and the way to be transformed is by the renewing of the mind. So... A transformed life is a life that has a different mindset, a different way of thinking. The world then has its own way of thinking. The only way for a person to be transformed is to have their mind renewed by the word of God. And may I say something here? Uh, God never commands us to do something without giving us the wherewithal to do that. So, all of Romans chapter 12, all of Romans chapter 13, we've been going through this a section at a time, and it shows us, God says, don't be conformed, be transformed, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he then goes through the rest of chapter 12, all of chapter 13, showing us how to reprogram, to renew our mind. And by the way, when we begin to think more like the world than like God, then we are conformed, not transformed. That's why churches that are like the world are conformed to the world. They're not transformed. They're not doing it the way God says do it. When Christians think and act like the world instead of like what God says to do, then we are conformed to the world and not Christ. <clears throat> it is a mindset you say, well, preacher, you just think differently. Yes, I do. Thank you very much. I try to think like God told me to think. I don't take that. The, well, you need to get up to date. Well, I hate to tell you, I, I could, could get no better up to date than with God. Amen. I am the Lord God. I change not. Now, that's not me. That's what God said. So you say, well, that's old fashioned. That goes all the way back into the. 70s and 60s and 50s. I can take you all the way back to the zeros. It goes back BC. Uh, and you have to understand something that God gives us the recipe to transform our mind, to renew our mind. We've gone through all of chapter 12, section by section. Tonight, we begin a new passage in verse chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. And it's talking about our uh, our following or being subject to higher powers. And God's talking here about civil government. Everybody look at me for a second here. Government is not bad. 
You know, government itself is not bad. We have some people that are bad in government. The Constitution's not bad, though. Declaration of Independence is not bad. Laws are not bad. Now, here's the problem. We have nothing but sinners to follow those laws and to enforce those laws. Now, let me help you with something tonight. Number one, man needs powers or governments other than God over him due to the fact that we're sinners. Do you know prior to the fall of man, there was no government but God? And there was only one law. Don't touch and eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. <laughs> man couldn't keep his cotton picking fingers off it. And because of that, God says, okay, you're cursed with a curse. And woman is cursed. And the earth is cursed. And you're going to have trouble and you're going to die. And I'm going to have to give you my son as your sacrifice if you're going to die and go to heaven. Otherwise, you're going to follow the devil straight to hell. And man still rejects God by the droves. Now, because man chose not to obey God and sinned, man now needs government to protect himself from himself and from other sinners. Government is there to protect you from yourself and to protect you from other sinners. Uh, the purpose of government is to protect you. Protect your freedom. To protect your person. And to protect our nation. That is the purpose of government. The purpose of government is not to control your life. Contrary to what some government people want. But government by itself, listen to the statement, is not bad. It becomes bad when sinners try to take powers that are not theirs. Now I want you to notice something here. Government is only as good as the sinners involved in it. That doesn't give us a lot of hope, does it? The government is set up for commerce. Can you imagine what it would be like living in America and there was no monetary system? You had to barter for everything and negotiate everything? One of the things that destroyed the South during the Civil War was the fact that they went back to the Articles of Confederation. They used the Articles of Confederation as their constitution. From 1776 to 1789 in America, those 23 years, America almost lost being a nation of its own because of the Articles of Confederation. They do not work. It was George Washington that said it takes a wagon load of money to get a wagon load of groceries. Because every state had its own money system. If you lived in this area, you couldn't go to Hagerstown or Winchester or Southern PA or anywhere else to go get groceries because you didn't have money that would be spent in those states. That's why in the South they killed each other uh, during the Civil War because every state had its own currency. And the armies could not cohabitate because, well, that's that your money doesn't spend here. They didn't recognize it. States' rights are one thing, but when you have more than one or two states, you better have a confederate or better have a union of states so that you could all cooperate together. Federal government is not a bad thing. State government is not a bad thing. Now, we have bad people involved in those at times, but we also have good people involved in those at times. So we have to understand our government was set up for commerce and for man to protect himself from himself and from foreign threats. Uh, police are generally a government structure. Why? To protect us from ourselves. 
that means we have laws based on you come in my house uninvited, there's going to be problems. Just because my garage door is open doesn't mean you take what you want. And we need to teach this in San Francisco. Uh, You're supposed to go into a store and pay for things, not take what you want and walk out. I think it's criminal for stores not to prosecute people who steal. When somebody stole the church van and took it on a joy ride and was involved in five different robberies and three different police chases and then totaled our van into a telephone pole. Unfortunately, thieves aren't real smart and he left his wallet in the van. (laughs) When the prosecuting attorney for Berkeley County called me and said, Pastor, do you want to press charges? I said, of course I do. His first answer was, you do? I said, yes, I do. He said, I'm so glad to hear that. I said, so am I. I said, I'm, I, I, I've already forgiven the fella. I said, but it would not be just to my church or my church members who, pay, who, who took care of that van if we didn't prosecute. It wouldn't be fair to the people that he robbed, and it wouldn't be fair to the police officers who chased him and put their lives at risk over chasing him. And it wouldn't be fair to our community if I did not prosecute. He said, boy, they don't make preachers like you very often around here. I said, I most definitely want to. I went to court two or three times over that thing. (laughs) And some stupid lawyer, he got up there and he said, now, Mr. Bush, did you see him in it? I said, if I did, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. (laughs) And the judge kind of did this. And he said, well, uh, how do you, and somebody said something about, uh, that we don't know that he was there. Uh, only his wallet, we only had proof that his wallet was there. And I said, well, he didn't ride the church van to church. He's never been inside my church. I said, he's been to my church. That's how he got the van. But he's never been inside my church. He said, well, do you have security cameras? I said, I didn't then, but I do now. And that's when the judge said, started laughing. He said, hold it. That's funny, Pastor. (laughs) I said, because of him, I do. Now, wait a minute. Uh, He spent some time in jail. And as I told the prosecutor, I said, I don't think he should be punished more because he stole from a church. The punishment shouldn't change because of where he took it from. I said, don't give him more than what is just. But give him what is just. He looked at me. He said, Pastor, there's not many people like you. I said, that's biblical justice. I said, I owe this community the justice of him being prosecuted. I said, I believe in justice. I said, he shouldn't be in jail one day longer than is required, though. I said, now fight for that. I said, just because it's a church doesn't change the situation. I said, don't you color it because it's based on the church. He said, all right. And by the way, he didn't, and I was pleased with that. Now, uh, so government is there to protect us, protect us from one another, sometimes to protect us from ourselves. (laughs) You're not going to like this one. That's why there are speed limits. And stop signs and, and traffic signals. And that's why there's a yellow line in the road that you're supposed to stay on one side of and not cross over. That everybody likes to drive on both sides of in West Virginia. Everybody doing all right? You say, what is that? Trying to protect you from yourself. Because otherwise you drive through a school zone at 100 miles an hour and not think twice about it. Well, I'm in a hurry. That doesn't change what the law is. We've got to protect you as well as protect everybody else. You see, we have government is there to protect us from ourselves and from others. Now, let's get into this a little deeper. Number two, higher powers does not mean highest power. 
I want you to look at this again. Look at verse number one. Let how many souls? Every soul be subject to higher powers. Now, I'm going to use some ridiculous statements here, but let me show you what I mean. Uh, Let's see here. William. William is to be subject to the higher power of dad and mom. But William's also to be subject to the higher power of Brother Anthony at school and Mrs. Bush at school. You say, why? Those are higher powers. Notice none of those were God. They are higher powers. William's also accountable to obey God. That's the highest power. You see, we are all accountable to higher powers. Uh, Many of you work jobs. Guess what? You have a boss. You have a supervisor. You have owners of the company. Some have boards of directors, whatever. You are to be subject to higher powers. Say, well, I don't like them. God never said you had to like them. You had to be subject to them. Everybody doing okay? We have to understand something. Uh, Mrs. Bush and Brother Anthony are a higher power, but they're not God. Education is a higher power, but it is not God. Government is a higher power, but it is not God. Your boss is a higher power, but he's not God. Well, mine is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Now, uh, I, I say that because we ha- we're going somewhere. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Now we're going to get into the serious part of the study here. Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse number 7. Remember them which have the what? Rule over you. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. God says here, remember them which have the rule over you. Go down to verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Some of you ought to make that your life's verse at work. The reason you can't move up and don't get raises like you want to get because you won't obey them that have the rule over you. You want to rule those that rule over you. I love you. I know a man. He was a very capable man. But he was known for telling his bosses how wrong they were and how right he was. As he got older, he got a bit more cantankerous. One day he was in a meeting with all of his bosses and he said, Well, it's either going to be this way because you guys don't know what you're doing or I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And they said goodbye. It hurt him so bad, now he's not even hardly in church. You say, why is that? Because they, they could not obey them that had the rule over them. You say, well, I don't agree with them. I know a better way. Yeah, but if you don't sign the paychecks, guess what? You only have the power of influence. Too bad. So sad. Let it fall apart. It's their problem. It's not profitable for you if you try to rule them to have the rule over you. When William tries to tell dad how dad should run the house, it's not going to be profitable for William. Yeah, as my father would say, you won't sit down for a week after that one. Now, uh, so God says that he wants us to obey them. And the key word here is submit ourselves. Go back to Romans chapter 13, verse number one. Let every soul be subject. Same as the word submit to the under the higher powers. 
For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That means this. God ordained leadership. Not the person in leadership. The position of leadership. God did not ordain Joe Biden. Nobody did. They used too much oil if they did and his brain slipped out. But... May I say something? The position of the President of the United States ought to be respected. Whether the person in it is respectful or not. Everybody understand that? Okay, now hang on here. That means your boss that's lost is ordained of God in position, not as a person. Government officials, you may not like them, you may not agree with them. But their position is ordained of God. Because God knows we need people in authority over us to protect us from ourselves, from each other, and from foreign entities. So those positions are ordained of God. Everybody doing okay? Now, here we go. Look at verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Now, this is where it's going to hurt. When you disobey at work, you're disobeying God. Flat out. When you disobey at school, you're disobeying God. When you disobey mom and dad, you're disobeying God. Everybody doing okay? That's what God said. When we misbehave and disobey in Sunday school or church, we're disobeying God. Because the powers that be are ordained of God. What does the word ordained mean? 30, good night, 34 years ago, 33 years ago, shut up, a long time ago, uh, I, I was ordained by Dr. Jack Hiles into the ministry. That ordination was a... I'll use the word ceremony or service to where there was an actual laying on of hands by men of God and they were putting their seal of approval on me as a man of God, a fellow man of God, entrusted with the word of God to do the work of God everywhere I go. I have a piece of paper hanging in my office that's my ordination certificate. I could, I could list the names of the men who signed it, including Brother Hiles. You say, why? Because that's a very important piece of paper to me. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> I couldn't tell you where my college degrees are, but I can tell you where my ordination is. It was men of God who laid hands on me saying, this is a man of God worthy to do the work of God. I, I was part of the ordaining service for my son Joshua back in Kentucky with Brother Fugit. Matter of fact, uh, that night I showed up, went to Brother Fugit's office. I, I gave my son the Bible Dr. Jack Hiles gave me when I was ordained. And I had Brother Fugit sign it for Josh. Two generations of ordinations in that book. Whew. It was special to me. Knelt right down here and my wife has pictures of me, part of the ordination of my son. After Michael graduated from college, before his mama passed away, just a month before she died, went down to Georgia to take part in Michael's ordination, and I ordained my son-in-law. What a special time. Now, God says authority, higher powers, are ordained by him. Be careful having a bad attitude with the police officer. You're disobeying God. Well, that creepy should have. Okay, maybe he shouldn't have, but guess what? He's, he's no better a sinner than you are, and he didn't break the law you did. Don't get mad at him for enforcing the law you voted for. Everybody doing okay? All right, hang on here. We are not to pick and choose what laws we want to follow or which ones we want to break. I worked in education a long time, especially Christian education. 
Christian school kids are good at looking at rules and trying to find a way through the loopholes in them. They found out with me is all a loophole means is you're going to hang yourself. Because for every loophole, that means there's, a, there's an end to that knot somewhere and I got a hold of it. And I'll jerk that knot like you've never seen jerk before. You see, when you're trying to go around the rules, well, it doesn't say this specifically. The Bible talks about the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. The letter of the law killeth. You want to follow the letter of the law? You're going to die by it. You see, you don't pick and choose what rules you want to obey. Well, I don't think that it ought to be 35 miles an hour on this road at this point in time. And I'm going to drive 50. Well, go ahead. But when the guy with the lights on top of his car pulls you over, you're going to pay the price. So, well, I don't think it should be that way. Well, until they change it, obey the law. It's that simple. I know I use this illustration a lot. I believe as a man of God, I believe as a preacher, I believe as a pastor of a New Testament Baptist church, I ought to obey the speed limit. What kind of testimony is it if I get two or three tickets every year for speeding? I've not had a speeding ticket since 1989. On my way to my wedding was the last one I got. And my brother was behind me. My dad and mom were behind him. And there was two more cars behind them. I had four cars pulled over behind the cop car. And my brother taking video of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was the last speeding ticket I ever got. I was not late. I just was talking. And there was a speed limit change from 35 to 45. I could see the speed limit change sign, but I was doing 45 before I got there. And he got me. I was wrong. I paid the ticket. Anybody doing okay? It's the last one I ever got. Say why? (laughs) I decided it wasn't worth it. Just obey. What kind of testimony would I have with Sheriff Hanson in Jefferson County if I got a bunch of speeding tickets? But I texted him this week and told him I was praying for him and his his officers, see if there's anything he needed. He texted me back and he said, Pastor, he said, I know you're not my pastor, but you pray for me probably more than my pastor does. He said, I appreciate it. I'm glad I have that kind of relationship with Sheriff Hansen. Does that mean Sheriff Hansen and I agree on everything? No. But I think he's a good man. I think he's doing his job. Everybody doing okay? Uh, We don't have to like or agree with every rule to obey him. Do you know there are some rules I don't like? I'm not telling you what they are. But I don't like some rules. Say, well, I think it's dumb. I'm not God. Who am I to say whether it's dumb or not? By the way. This is true with civil law as well as God's law. Government is a higher power when it comes to civil law. But government is not the highest power. Look at verse number four. Uh, Verse three. For rulers are not a terror to good works. Did you know no boss wants to be nasty? He wants to build a company and make money. So, well, he's mean and nasty. Are you doing it the way he wants? Well, his way's not right. Wait a minute. Your name's not on the company. His is. When your name's at the top, you run it the way you want. Till then, run it in the ground. If it goes in the ground, it's his fault, not yours. Everybody doing okay? Sometimes the boss will listen to you and say, maybe they got a good idea. You see, look at verse uh, 5. Wherefore, we must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. In other words, we ought to obey just not so we don't get in trouble, but so that we can sleep at night with a clean conscience. I'm not going to ask. But I know some of you in here. 
Wonder how many times you ran from the police and hid so they didn't catch you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at Brother James over here. <laughs> we went to Midland real quick, didn't we? Uh-huh. Now, wait a minute. There's not a clear conscience on that one. That's why when you drive down the freeway and there's a police officer sitting in the middle of the road, I can tell you who's got a bad conscience and who doesn't. Everybody hits a brake right away. <laughs> They're doing it for wrath's sake. You say, what do you do? I just keep on cruising by. You say, why? Because <laughs> I have a clear conscience. If you know you're not disobeying, you have a clear conscience, and that authority sitting there does not bother you. We doing all right? All right. Now we went to meddling. The government is not to have higher power in the church. And the church is not to have higher power in the government. It goes both ways. <laughs> School systems are not to be the higher powers in homes. <laughs> They're only the higher power, supposedly, in teaching them to read, write, and in, in facts, not in indoctrination and genderization. By the way, the government schools do not own your children. I don't care what they say. By the way, I can prove it. You want to you wanna win the fight before it ever starts? How can they own your children when you pay their salary? Our taxes pay them. They can't owe what we pay for. Amen. Everybody doing all right? Boy, bring that one to the school board and watch it go. But that's the true facts. Government does not own us. They work for us. But they are not slaves. Everybody doing okay? Now... Here we go. Number three, I got to hurry. I don't think I have a fourth point, but I don't remember. Yeah, I do. And it's longer than the other three. We are to pay taxes like everyone else in order to have government. This is going to be an interesting part of the study. Look at verse six. For this cause, what are the next three words? Pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, uh, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Hmm. Go, go to Second Kings chapter, or I'm sorry, First Kings chapter eight. Very quickly, First Kings chapter eight. Israel was belly aching that. They didn't like the government. They didn't like the man of God running things. They wanted a king like all the other nations. God said, you're idiots. But they said, we would rather be idiots with a king than without. Now, that's not in scripture. That's my interpretation. But I want you to notice what God tells the children of Israel about having a king or a, a government outside of God ruling them. Watch what he says here in verse number 10. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 10. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that a cloud filled the house of the Lord. So many of the priests could not... Uh, wait a minute. That's not right. It should be 1 Samuel 8. I'm sorry. As soon as I said king, something didn't register. I'm sorry. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Verse number 10, that's it. Sure would work better if I'd write the right book down. And Samuel told all the words of the what? Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. In other words, we want a new kind of government. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that he shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, 
And some shall run before his chariots, in other words, an army. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And he will set them, set his ear to the ground to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his, of his chariots. In other words, there's going to be government workers and people working for the government instead of themselves. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, bakers and cooks, and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your oliveyards, even uh, the best of them, and give them unto his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed. Notice the word tenth. Watch this. And of your vineyards, and give to his officers and to his servants. And he would take your men servants and your maid servants and your godliest young, goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and they shall be his servants. And ye shall cry in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, uh, which ye shall have, cho- uh, which ye have sh- chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Now I want you to notice something. He said you're going to pay a tenth unto him. That's taxes. God was ruling the children of Israel through their tithe through the man of God. But he said, if you want a king, you're going to pay your tithe to the man of God and to the house of God. But you're also going to pay another tenth to the government. And you're going to have to pay him and he's going to take your children and they're going to go to war and they're going to work for him, not for themselves. They're not going to be building their own empire. They're going to be building a government, not something for themselves. And he said, it's going to cost you. And when you come belly aching to me, verse 18, and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which you shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. He said, don't come crying to me. I told you. Now, <laughs> since people do not want God to govern, then we have to pay people to govern us. That's what our taxes are for. By the way, I believe God's people ought to be honest in paying their taxes. I believe we ought to be legal in paying our taxes. Think you ought to do things in a legal way. Everybody doing okay? Say, well, preacher, what? It? I don't care who you are, what you are. When we brought Brother Anthony here, Mrs. Barnes and I, we, we worked on salaries, different things. And there are some things that are taxable, some things that are not in the ministry. And I made sure we set him up legally, set mine up legally, setting hers up legally. You say, why? Because we're going to pay taxes. So, well, the church doesn't pay taxes. No, the church doesn't pay sales tax, but we have to pay payroll tax. And we pay it. Everybody doing Okay. Say, well, but, but preacher, you, you, uh, no, I'm going to do it legal. I want to be right all the way. You see, God's intent was for everyone to tithe and that would care for the government, but God's people would not allow God to take care of that. So he said, okay, you're going to pay taxes. And then when you got Democrats in office, you pay more. Personally, biblically, I believe something that Jack Kemp brought out many years ago. It hasn't, it'll never fly, especially in our world, but a flat tax would be the best thing for our country for everybody. Everybody pays the same percentage. You know, if we paid 15% taxes, got rid of the IRS, got rid of paying IRS taxes and everything else, everybody paid 15%. Do you know how much more money our country could have? How much more money you would have? Average person in this room is paying between 40 and 50 plus percent on taxes. All said and done. (laughs) Number four. I've got to hurry. We are not to hate all government, but we're to treat the people in authority with respect. 
Now, when I use the word government, I'm not just talking about civil. I'm talking about school government, church government, home government, uh, people in authority. Go back to Romans chapter 13. Look at verse number 7. God says, render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due. That means taxes, basically. Custom to whom custom is due. That word custom is foreign trade. One of the reasons the United Auto Workers Union struggled, especially during the 70s, is due to the fact of men like Jimmy Carter, LBJ, and others who destroyed the American auto industry uh, with Japan. During the 70s, oh, Japanese vehicles and uh, Japanese vehicles are so much better. Do you know why? Because you could take a $20,000 car in America, take it to Japan, and they sold it for $40,000, and they put a $20,000 tariff on it. And they had to pay $40,000 for the same car you bought here for twenty. But people in Japan could bring their cars over, a $20,000 car. We charged them no tariff for it, and they could sell it. And they wondered why we couldn't compete on the Japanese market. That's stone-cold fact. Go look it up. 100% tariff. To the people we bombed and had to rebuild. Now look what we do with China. It's even worse. Everybody doing okay? All right, hang in there. God says, tribute to whom tribute, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear. Do you know there are some people that that word fear means respect? We're to respect people. Then it says honor to whom honor. There are people that deserve honor. Brother Jim Boer deserves honor. One of our veterans. Brother Wiley's dad was a Vietnam veteran. We'll give him some honor. Others that deserve honor because of their service of whether their nation or men of God. Brother Fugit will be here. We'll give him some honor. Why? Because he's earned the right to have some honor. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, God says treat with respect people in position. I don't have to agree with somebody to treat them with respect. Just about six, eight weeks ago, I went to Senator Manchin's office. I agree with a horse more than I do Senator Manchin. And I won't tell you which end of the horse I agree with more. But I will tell you this, Senator Manchin made three good votes, maybe his only three good votes, that helped our country. And we talked about those three votes. By the way, after we left, two days later, he made a strong stance on another one I believe was influenced by us being there. Do I agree with him? No. Do I hope somebody runs against him and beats him? Yes. My opinion of what he is has not changed. But while I was there, shook his hand, was cordial with him, treated him with respect. Got my picture taken with him. I didn't ask for it, but he did and got sent to me. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't mean I'm going to go to lunch with him and be his best buddy. I still disagree with him more than I agree with him. But while I was there, I treated him with respect. He walked over and put his hand on my shoulder and asked about our church. When we got done praying, he walked over and he said, Pastor, He said, your prayer was powerful. He said, wow. And I said, I didn't mean, he said, no, that was needed. Maybe he got something. You see, you don't have to agree with someone to treat them with respect. Uh, I just got a call today from a politician They're having some kind of meeting on Saturday the 16th or whatever that is. And they wanted me to come and open in prayer. I said, well, I'm going to be out of state. I'm sorry. He said, well, you're the first person I was thinking of. And uh, you're the one I wanted to come. But I understand if you'll be out of town. I said, well, call me next time. If I'm available, I'll come. I was humbled. 
so many things. We need to think, uh, we don't need to think we know more than politicians. You don't know their job better than, you, than they do. Everybody doing okay? But we also have to realize they work for us. We do have the power of influence. Influence doesn't mean screaming and hollering, being nasty. Influence means building a relationship and maybe having the right kind of influence. <laughs> Can I show you some Bible logic? I love you, but you're not going to like this one either. <laughs> For you to criticize how stupid your boss is, is criticizing yourself. Because you're the one that decided to work for him. I remember one time I started to criticize my boss and my dad said, you're the dummy that chose to work there. He said, if you don't like it, go find somewhere else to work. Otherwise, shut up. That was the end of the conversation. By the way, I haven't complained about another boss since. Say why? Well, I don't talk to my dad about it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Before you get too critical about how stupid they are, you're the one who chose to work for the stupid. Does that not just make sense? All right. Uh, let me hurry very quickly. We are only afraid of powers when we don't understand power. Okay, I'm afraid of electricity. You know why? Number one, I'm colorblind. Number two, I don't understand how all that stuff works. And colorblind people don't touch wires. Or they have very curly hair. Mm -hmm, or none at all. You know, our forefathers set our government up with checks and balances so that power would not corrupt itself as quickly. There's to be checks and balances. Not bickering and fighting, checks and balances. This is why we need term limits in all positions of government. Amen. Mitch McConnell had a spell today. And he went about 45 seconds just standing there totally oblivious to life again in public. And I mean couldn't talk. And he either had a seizure or a mini stroke. I can tell by looking at it. I sent it to Brother Fugit and I said, what's up with Senator McConnell? He said, it's either a stroke or uh, a seizure. I said, he reminds me of Hezekiah, the man that's going to die 15 years too late and without honor. He said, you are exactly right, Brother Bush. If he'd have quit 10, 15 years ago, he could have been a hero. Now he's an idiot. And it's true. They're so addicted to power, they can't let go. The Nancy Pelosi's and, and others. By the way, uh, there's, you say, well, they've had the power. Yeah, and power for that long, and look how corrupt it is. Politics was never intended to be a career. Leaders who intimidate with power are never to be trusted. I don't care what level, whether it be in the home, in the school, at the job, in government, in, in church work. Someone who leads by intimidation is trying to hold power over you. When people are holding power over you, they, what they're saying is, I don't have any other wherewithal to lead you. So I will force you. <laughs> now... People shouldn't be forced by fear to follow. Now, I do understand as a parent, every once in a while, you've got to teach your kids the fear of God and give them a come to Jesus moment. Those happen in life. But you're not constantly supposed to be leading that way. That is a, a tool of correction, not prevention. By the way, people need to know consequences of disobedience. Like it or lump it, doesn't matter what, who you are, what you are. <laughs> My favorite statement, don't care what your last name is. If there's, Brother Anthony I've worked, and I have worked on some discipline issues at the school. Never used a name. 
You say, why? Because it doesn't matter who it is. It wouldn't matter if it was my kids, though they're not in school. Uh, it really wouldn't. When they were, it didn't matter. They got the same punishment. Say, you did that? Yep. Say, why? Because justice is blind and it applies to everybody the same. I gotta quit. The problem with our government failing is due to our churches failing. We have failed to teach people how to live God's way. We're all sinners. You want to change the government? Go out and win people to Christ. Teach them to vote right and teach them to run for office and go from there. You're not going to change it. Stay in that with a sign. We hate the perverts. <laughs> you're, you're not going to change it by doing the same tactics they do. There has to be a renewing of the mind. Uh, that's why... <laughs> Protests make me laugh. Okay, you had your say. What's it going to do? Okay, you got out on the street and yelled and screamed and hollered. I hope you feel better. It didn't change anything. Now, yeah. You see, if we don't let God be the highest power, then we're only going to let higher powers rule us. And then we pick and choose what higher power is our God. People have kicked God out and put education and government in as God. People have kicked God out and made money their God. I don't know about you. I'd rather have that than anything. By the renewing of your mind. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. How we look at civil law. God even tells us how we're to approach it. I didn't say we ought to be rule breakers. I said God said we ought to be rule followers.